following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember when home video was in its infancy? The perfect video store is popping up all over the country. Do you remember the experience of renting VHS tapes at a store? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Do you remember when you kept a video store membership card in your wallet? Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Hollywood Video. We get what you want. The warehouse is entertainment. Relive the days when dead media was alive and kicking. This is Rental Return. Tales from the Video Store. My name is Amanda Stefaniak, and I worked at Ocesana Sunshine in Bossier, Manitoba, Canada, which was owned by my parents, Mel and Susan Stefaniak, from 1982 to 2004. Hi, I'm Christian McGalliard, and I worked at Coco Video in China Grove, North Carolina, from March of 1997 to January of 1998. And then later, I worked at Four Star Video in Granite Quarry, North Carolina, from February 2001 to December 2001. My name is Chris Tansky. I worked in the video department of a media play from 1995 to probably 2002, 2003. My name is Gary Keffer. I worked at the Blockbuster Video in Chesapeake, Virginia in the early 90s. I worked there uh, after graduating from high school in 93 and worked there for about uh, two and a half, almost three years. My name is John Paul Cupertino and I used to work for a place in Milwaukee called Bucky's Super Video around 1998. And shortly after that, I worked for a very brief stint at a Blockbuster in Milwaukee. Hey, my name is Preston Burt, and in 2000 through 2002, I worked at Blockbuster Video in Oxford, Mississippi. Hi, my name is Zach Shipley. I worked at uh, Blockbuster Franchise 290237 in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in, gosh, like 1998 to 2000, somewhere around there. Episode 2, Pushing Play. Let's uh, ask this question. What made you want to work in a video store, given those experiences in the past? Well, uh, for me personally, uh, growing up, I had like some asthma and allergies and stuff. And, and so I try to go outside and play. But I was I was literally like allergic to freshly cut grass. Like if I went outside in the summer and someone had mowed the yard, I was going to have problems. So I was inside a lot. But I liked movies. I, I loved uh I love movies. I love going to the video store. I think it was like, you know, the magic of looking at the posters, looking at the box covers. And, you know, China Grove had a video store that opened. It used to be called Boardman's Video. And I actually have, I'd found in my garage, a few videos that I'd gotten from there when they would sell movies that still have the Boardman's uh, sticker on them. But yeah, going in Boardman's Video, it was about... It wasn't far from our house. Like when I got old enough to have a bike, I could ride my bike to Boardman's. It was next to an Eckerd and Food Lion. And it was just kind of what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to work in a video store. I, I remember I would tell my dad who what my dad was more of like the, the Southern dad. You're going to get a real job, you know? And I was like, I'm working in a video store, you know? And it was interesting to get the job at Blockbuster because uh, I was starting college, coming out of high school, and I needed a job that would be flexible with my, my school schedule. Blockbuster was open until midnight every day of the week. And so for somebody who was starting college, and especially somebody who was going to be an English major, it was ideal, right? I mean, you didn't have to, to deal with the, the regular retail hours. They weren't open early in the morning, so you don't have to worry about getting up at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm not a morning person anyway, so it worked out great. I always loved movies as a kid. I was a frequent 
customer of different video stores, the mom and pops, even a blockbuster showed up to our town eventually, sadly closing the, the mom and pop shop. But I was always wanted to have a job with being surrounded by movies. And in college, my freshman year, I got the chance to, to do that, but it was at a movie theater. And so I found myself starting out as a doorman. And then a month later, I was projectionist. Then a month later, I was assistant manager. And three months later, I was the manager of that store <laughs> through different um, through different um, hoops and so forth and people quitting. And that job was a great job for a while. But when you're a full-time student and you have the responsibility of being the final stop at a, a movie theater, it was very, very stressful and very, very time consuming. So you're working 40 hours a week. If the popcorn machine breaks, they call you. If someone doesn't show up to open up the theater, the mall office, they call you. And so dealing with all of those pressures as a 19, 20 year old, I uh, I said that was just too much to try to do as a full-time student. So it's like, hey, I still love movies. Why don't I just apply for a job at the Blockbuster? Prior to that, I worked working at a shoe store. And, um, and because I was like, 17 or 18, I, I quit that job without having anything lined up. I just went like, I'm bored here. I'm not going to do it anymore. And then, so I quit. I thought, I'll just find another job. Uh, that's like psychotic to me now. So that, that wouldn't like, have something have something lined up right away. But that's the way it was. Uh, so I I I heard that they were opening the, a Blockbuster in this uh, strip mall. And so I went over there while they're like, still very much under construction and I just asked if there was like a manager or somebody there and sure enough like the guy who owned the franchise who was going to be the, the store manager was there and I got an application from him filled it out I had a couple good references at the time like like my mom's friends or whatever uh, and and so I got hired and that was that was a real uh, interesting experience because I got to be in the store like well before we're set up so you know there's like contractors and construction workers who like put together the, the obviously like the bathroom and the office and like the counters and stuff like that but it was up to us the like the i think it was like four four of us clerks who were going to be stocking the shelves i have always loved movies and i used to go to a midnight movie thing when i was about 14 15 my mom would take me to a midnight movie event at time cinema and they would always play weird things. It was called the Friday Night Freak Show. The local college uh, radio station would put it on, and it would be trauma films, The Shining, Ghostbusters, anything you can imagine would be playing. And... With your mom? Yep. yep. <laughs> she, my mom was the one who introduced me to horror. Uh, she introduced me to like uh, Evil Dead and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at a very young age and kind of let me realize, well, if I'm going to get scared by something, go for it. It's up to me. But when I was getting uh, older and I wanted to go to a midnight uh, freak shows, I wanted to get more involved. I wanted to eventually write and make movies. I was very idealistic, but it didn't happen. And instead, I just worked for a video store to be as close as I could to the films. The discounts were always nice, too. I started working part time around uh, 92 or so. So I was about 13 years old when I would just go in after school. Because I, at that point, I'm just like, was movie obsessed. And I think Batman Returns came out that year. And that was just like, I remember that was my birthday movie. And I'm like, I love everything about movies. And I didn't mind going to the store and working. And my sister, who was, she's a year younger than me, she hated it. So she was really happy that I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go in all the time. So they stopped bugging her. And I just started doing that. And as I did that, I just started taking over 
the organization of everything. So I would make my own sections of like, like black exploitation, and well, that was a little bit when that kind of started coming out again, like I guess Tarantino or something. Right, yeah. But so I would just like just make these crazy sections that mostly like for myself. But then if anybody ever visited them, then I felt happy, and I was responsible for the dusting and stuff like that. So it's just like, well, you're dusting, you might as well organize things. Like, oh, here's all these Jack London movies. I'll put them all together. That kind of thing. It was '95, and by that point, I was I worked at a movie theater as well. Uh, I was. I had two jobs. I had the movie theater job and uh, the video department job, and movies just uh, were a part of my life from day one. I, I was. I can vividly remember going to see Empire Strikes Back at age four and waiting in line for hours for the next performance because it was only on one screen and <laughs> you had to get in line right away to get your tickets. So uh, just my dad would always take me to movies uh, growing up. Uh, and he knew I could handle them. I, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street in the theaters at age eight. You know, wow. I I wouldn't have done that to my son. Uh, I I kind of eased him into it by showing him AMC's Fear Fest edited down versions, uh, just so you know you work them into his uh, repertoire, if you will. But uh, yeah, it's just movies have always been my thing. My d dad would always take me, and uh, uh, that's how I gained the love for the medium. Yeah, I've been thinking about since, you know, we were gonna do this, like what was made me wanna do that. And it was just something I wanted to do, but I think it was probably from growing up watching and, and just enjoying and wanting to be around movies. Like if I wasn't gonna be in the actual industry, I could at least be close to it. Bucky's Super Video, yep. They were just hiring in general, I think. And I just asked if I could work there. There was another one. That was literally across the street. There was another video store across the street that was more mom and pop, but they never hired it, even though I tried over and over and over to work there. It was a lot taken from things like Blockbuster. It was really inspired by the more corporatized style. It was still a mom and pop type shop, but it was very, very organized and different from what I had seen when I had grown up and when I was going to the different stores. It was more, it, it felt more professional it, and things were arranged properly, which was unusual to me. These like huge UPS shipments of VHS tapes would come in and we would, you know, have we'd have like a box there they'd like open the shrink wrap, take the tape out, put a like uh, put like the Beacon Rewind stickers on them and then put them in a uh, in a black case and then insert the this is almost impossible to do without some kind of visual aid, but you remember what what the the key cases look like for 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 a block yeah, i got a few in front what, of me right right yeah. now yeah so like so yeah we we like pull like you know mission impossible or whatever the, the movie was uh off the printer at like the thing with the, with the name of the movie and, and the year whatever uh, on the uh on the label and put that inside the case and and then uh and then just kind of close it up and and we'd have them we spent probably two weeks uh, just doing that, just just opening up tapes all day long, and it was neat because I got to really get to know a lot of the coworkers uh, at, at the time that you wouldn't get otherwise because there was no customers in the store, obviously, because we, we weren't open yet, and so we were just, we were, and we were doing like really a really like menial task, just like just opening up VHS boxes and putting the tapes in in the rental boxes and then putting like a little plastic uh, uh, shrink wrap. Or, or plastic case uh, over the box to like have up on the shelf, and so we just got to talk. We talked about music or you know movies or, or whatever was uh, was interesting at the time. 
We didn't hire staff at all. <laughs> so basically the only time we had staff was in the 80s when things were good. Otherwise it was just my dad, my mom and myself working. And but but by the time so I was also uh so speaking of Tarantino, um he was like his video store experience, he would start um showing up on like the John Stewart show and stuff and I was like this guy is I and at that time nobody talked about video stores. It was just like, you know, Blockbuster or whatever. But he was talking about like how like basically how I had how I was hoping our store would be and I thought wow he's actually cool and he works at a video store and he's making movies now and that kind of said like well do I have to go to like college I can just stay at my parents video store and watch movies all day and treat it at film school like he did so I think that's kind of why I just like and because we were in a small town there were at times so many like you couldn't there was no customers you would just watch like two movies and nobody would even come in so it wasn't like real work sometimes so i was trained on everything at the movie theater i was usher i was concessions and then one of the perks obviously was getting to see movies for free so i definitely jumped on that uh when pulp fiction came out i saw it probably at least 10 times and didn't matter what part it was in i would just go in there and just sit down and watch watch it to the end Uh, and then uh I thought my love of movies would help me. It didn't hurt me when I got hired at Media Play, but they were just looking for bodies. But then once we opened uh that store because it was a brand new store, we helped build it. Uh we built all the shelves and stocked all the the tapes. And for those once, who don't know, what is Media Play exactly? What type of a store was it? Media Play was just uh it was everything uh you could ever imagine uh in terms of uh pop culture. uh books music uh soft lines hard lines videos uh collectibles uh it was just a pop culture mecca if you were just into certain things i didn't know anybody there i didn't have any sort of connections no ends i just knew i liked movies and that seemed like a fun job so i uh put in an application and then a week or two later i got a call to come in so i quit the movie theater and lo and behold they hired me as assistant manager at the blockbuster Yeah, it was uh it was the first blockbuster in that area. Blockbuster was already like really big in uh, obviously in the 90s. Uh in other areas, uh the area I lived in, Rehoboth, Delaware, it's a beach resort, so I was only I only lived like maybe two miles away from the Atlantic the Atlantic Ocean. Um there were other video stores in the area. However, this was the first like blockbuster franchise and um And so it was, it was we've been kind of waiting for like a bigger store like this. This is an area that still doesn't have like like even today it doesn't have a Target. The Walmart that's in Rehoboth, Delaware is literally at least at the time it was built was the smallest Walmart in the entire chain. Because it's a resort area, like clerk, retail, restaurant, service, those are the only like big jobs that are available uh especially to to, to kids, you know, because you could get a You get, I think, a, a work permit or something like that, like age 14. Uh, I don't think I started working until I was like 16 or 17. I didn't have any ambition to, to do so. I was busy with other stuff in high school. Well, for Coco Video, they only had about four people working there at any given time. And, you know, it was a smaller store, but so there weren't always openings. But I knew when I was like 12, like I wanted to, I'd grab my bike, I was like, I want to work at the video store when I get old enough. And, but it took me until I was 19. I was working for my dad doing sheet metal fabrication and welding and hated that and then a buddy of mine who used to work at the video store in china grove had opened a store in salisbury 
So I stopped in there one day on my lunch break because I was working in Salisbury and the, the manager from Coco Video was in there and she's like, hey, so-and-so left. We're going to be hiring somebody. You should come by. And Coco was owned at that point. Boardman had sold the store and it was owned by a fellow named Dominique, who I think was from Sweden. And he was married to a, a lady named Judy Ko, um, who was Korean. And they were both very nice, but apparently when I went in, I was I, was, I always would wear button-ups and slacks and dress up anyway back then. I did, this was just the style I liked. So I go in for this interview and I dress up for interviews anyway. And apparently I was the only person that came in for an interview at that video store that was dressed like they were interviewing like for an office job. And Judy just, she loved it. She was like, oh, we must hire him right now. Let's Let's just give him the job right now. And Dominique's like, no, no, we have interviews scheduled today. And she's like, no, look how he's dressed. We got to get him in here. So it, <laughs> it was really me taking it seriously. Like, you know, I really want to work here, even though it's like the local video store. And they, she really seemed to appreciate that. So, but that is what had happened. It was a chance thing of had I not stopped to see my buddy at lunch, um, it was kind of a hard place to get into just based on it was an easy job for people. And there were only four spots available and they, they didn't have people, they didn't have a lot of turnover back then. I got the job, uh, you know, I applied for it went through the normal process, but my wife's aunt had actually worked there part time at that location. And, uh, you know, was told her starting looking for a job and she said, you should come out to the store, put an application, we're always looking for people. And in that area, you know, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, the Hampton Roads area is heavy military. There's a naval base there and a lot of military families. And so there was a lot of churn and turnover uh, just with people moving in and out because of the Navy. So with that, job openings were often frequent, particularly for those kind of jobs at that time. So it wasn't that hard to find a job opening. I consider myself fortunate to, to get in a Blockbuster because I love movies. Uh, they give you 10 free rentals a week and uh, they were open at hours that allowed me to still earn money while I was in school full time. So it was, I mean, just about the perfect Gen X job um, I know for someone to be working in a record store, for me, it was it was a great experience. What about uh, as you were getting in there? Because obviously your main qualification was you liked movies. But what would you say was the the training process and teaching you how to actually participate in uh, checking out rentals and things like that? Originally, I was shown how to do things by one of my coworkers that also went to the school with me, and I was about sixteen. And I had maybe one day of training of this is how you scan things. This is the, you know, hit F5 to submit the rental request. If they have overdue payments, ask them to pay. And that's about it. There was really no training. It was just go. So I don't remember ever watching an employee video, but it being Blockbuster, I mean, that, that wouldn't seem out of the realm of possibility. But I got basically to shadow the manager that hired me before he got fired from the, the district manager like a month later, and then they brought in a new manager from a, a, a different store. So well, it was basically- in terms of the firing? Don't bury the lead there. Uh, you know, I have no idea. I think there were some maybe mishandling of funds going on or <laughs> shirking of responsibilities. I don't know. This was very, uh, is very vague to me. I was so new. I wasn't like on the inside circle to know all the cool stuff. So basically how it worked, uh, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably for all video stores, but so we would go to like a video wholesaler and rent our, or they buy our videos from there. Um, and basically we would get catalogs of what was available to buy. 
so there's a lot of like it was basically yeah like a catalog where you're ordering like oh this looks good and they would have all the the promotions from the studios saying like hey like you buy five five um the package with tommy lee jones and get this package too kind of deal um so that kind of, like so there was like inner store promotion like trying to basically movie studios wanting video store owners to buy their product and then as a part of that i think the studio and they they did have a, a part in canada of uh this thing called uh video software dealers association it's uh vsda um so there was a, a part of it in canada but the really cool part was this convention that they had in las vegas uh for most years and where basically the studios would pay the stars of the movies coming on video that year to sign autographs for free for any of the store owners that uh, registered to come to this convention. So, and then that's where you'd be like, well, I met so-and-so at this convention. I'm going to buy like more copies of this from Dust Till Dawn or something like that. And did you get to go to this convention? Uh, yeah, I did. It was like one year. Well, actually, yeah, so I, I did went. I went to one in uh, Toronto, which wasn't as fun. But I did the one I went in '96. Uh, I was. I had to make a fake ID because the part of the convention is uh, the adult uh, side of it. Um, so you, I think, if you didn't, if you were 18, it could have been 21. But because I can't remember, I think in the states it's a different age. But at the time, I was not even 18 yet, so I couldn't even go. But because my mom had just had a baby, she couldn't. They already had the, the tickets to go to the convention, but she couldn't physically go to the thing. So I was like uh, picked to drive my dad down there, and well, I went too. But it was really overwhelming, and I wish I, I wasn't so shy and like nervous that I was gonna be found out that I was underage. Otherwise, like I met people like Jane Russell, which is crazy to me uh, thinking about it. Martin Lando was there signing pictures for that Adventures of Pinocchio movie that like <laughs> that junkie when he did with JTT. Yeah. Uh, uh, Joey Pantiliano was there. James Woods, ugh. but <laughs> but at the time he wasn't so crazy. And um, uh, one of the people that I was really excited uh, about meeting was Robert Rodriguez um, because of uh, main ma- I think mainly because of his uh, Tarantino connection, but also I loved El Mariachi. I had at that time seen it and. So basically, you're waiting in line. It's not unlike a comic convention, except there's no money involved. Um, and you would just wait in line. And so they just ran out of pictures, I think. And so there, his handler or whatever went to run. And he just started talking to me. Like, and I I literally did look like a little kid. And I was. he just treated me with respect. And I can't remember what he was talk, talking to me about. But later, I did find out Tarantino was there because they were hanging around and he was just walking around. So I could have actually met Tarantino. Uh, I had things differently. The great thing about Blockbusters, they, they had very strong corporate systems and they had very solid branding. You didn't recognize that at the time. I and mean, when you're 18, 19 years old and you're starting college, it's like, all right, well, we're going to do this, this and this. And it's a process. It's only later in hindsight that you kind of look back and, and see how smart they were about the way they ran that business in that time. Everything from the uniforms and the, the, the shirt pens that you wore with your name on them to their process for rewinding and stacking and taking the movies back. What kind of policies do you remember that, that stood out to you? They're like, oh, I have to enforce this or I have to follow this guideline? If I recall correctly and it's been 23 years but i think the memberships were free but if you were under like i think 17 or 18 you had to have parents permission to rent r-rated movies so there was always 
there was a notes area on the computer that you could put notes like this customer's nice or if you had basically somebody hey my kid can rent anything in the store and they didn't have like even the softcore stuff they didn't have coco i mean you had r rated movies and stuff but nothing beyond that there wasn't like the room with the curtain like some stores had so at coco really it was just if there were instructions on the membership like uh like if, if somebody had a kid named steve and he came in and he's allowed to rent r rated movies and he's 15 then it just said steve can rent r rated movies and you would rent the r rated movies to steve if there were not and Steve tried to rent an R-rated movie you could call home like call the number and ask hey Steve's here can he you know rent an R-rated movie and they'd say yes or no but that was it it was it was really straightforward that was kind of part of the fun of this story it was it was, a, it was a franchise so we had our franchise rules like so there was a, a lot of trade dress so like we're like the blue polo shirt with the blockbuster logo on it, it had like a name tag uh, but it was completely owned and operated separately. So, like the franchise owner, like for instance, ordered all his own, uh, all his own tapes and stuff. He didn't. It wasn't coming in from Blockbuster. Like you know, you're going to have like 50 copies of Spice World. It was his decision to order 50 copies of Spice World. And <laughs> and um, so most stores, probably any anybody listening, probably listened or probably went to a, a, a corporate store, one that was owned by the Blockbuster Video Corporation, or, or I don't know if they had a parent company or something at the time, but that's that's probably what they did. Whereas uh, whereas like you know this one was just owned by Jim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to sit through and like watch a tape to be to be trained, we had a more like hands-on training experience because they brought in the computers one day and we all kind of like huddled around the computer like, okay, here's how you log in. Here's how you uh, uh, scan a tape. Here's what here's what you do when you check somebody out. It'll tell you how much change they get, blah, blah, blah. Here's how you run a credit card or, or, or whatever. There was also a lot of confusion because back in those days when stuff would come out for rental, it wouldn't uh, come out for purchase right away unless you were like, that upper echelon film that made like a hundred to two hundred million dollars at the box office. So people were confused when we didn't have something, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, but I saw it at you know insert video store here." And then you'd have to go through the spiel of how it's you know it's not priced to buy yet, and it's like eighty dollars, and then you didn't get that, and they would get angry. <laughs> and it's like uh, you, you just gotta wait because back then stuff you had to wait six months, eight months. Where now. Once the movie leaves theaters, it's it's available for streaming and, and Blu-ray within a month or two months. It was just always nice. It was just it would be crowded on the weekends and you would have people lined up sometimes on the weekends because Coco having the movies behind the counter, they had two people working on Friday night and Saturday night. And that was the only time they were open seven days. But that's the only time that they had two people working. And basically one person rang people up. The other person was a movie runner putting out movies that had come in or going to get movies that people were trying to rent. But as far as like going in there as a customer and then having, that was more like retail. Like when I was working in retail jobs, that happened. But working at Coco Video um, and later uh, Four Star, they were so low key that not a lot changed. It, it wasn't really difficult in terms of, like the worst you would get with a customer would be occasionally people didn't want to pay late fees. And sometimes there would be a note on someone's account this person frequently has late movies is frequently trying not to pay late fees other than that though there, it, it was pretty much everything i thought it would be but it was better because now i was getting paid to be in there instead of just standing around in there half my time now what were your co-workers like were they just as in love with movies as yours just just another retail job for them there was uh, one guy who was brought in from 
who worked at a Blockbuster corporate store, he was going to be the assistant manager. I think he had, he had moved to the area, and so like he applied, and it was, he was a natural fit because he already knew, knew all Blockbuster stuff. And he, he came in from, I think, Damascus, Maryland. And then there was a guy, there was a couple of guys who went to my high school. They were like a couple years ahead of me, so they're a little older. But like one guy, was, he went to college in like Connecticut or something. So he was just there for the summer, and he was going to come back during uh, during summer breaks. And another guy who was you know out of high school, but but we all knew each other. And so it was just fun to have like some, some people who were like about my age, uh, you know, people 18, 19, 20. Uh, we didn't have any kind of uh, real like responsibilities all living at home except for the one guy who he was he was like engaged like a you know girl he went to high school with and uh i'll, I'll come back and tell a story about him later i didn't know any of the the people that i ended up working with they're all pretty much around my same age so just out of high school in college um i think a couple of times we had someone older that came in for a little bit as a part-time employee but um this didn't lead itself to like a career path or anything so it was just people that kind of floated in and out there were it had, had a decently high turnover rate, but um, the key holders, we all stayed together for, for quite a while. And it was, I got to know a, a lot of those folks. And in fact, I just had um, a friend from Blockbuster that we kept up over the years and he came to visit me about um, six months ago. And we, we caught up, eat, we look, look so different. We had gray hairs and <laughs> losing hair. And it's just, it's funny to think back that we met each other working at Blockbuster in college. Most of the people that worked at the store were a little bit older than me. They were easily in their 20s, mid-20s. Um, the owner was in, I'd say, his late 40s, early 50s at that point, and he was very hands-on. Everybody was pretty relaxed. It was nothing crazy, nothing special, but they were just big fans of film for the most part. We did have a few people. with uh, The girl that worked there, she used to be really into the more dramatic films and things like Schindler's List along those kind of lines. So she was always the person to go to for that. I was always the person that people would go to for the really obscure, unusual films. Um, I recommended Phantasm 4 a million times to people. That was, <laughs> it was one of my favorites, and I always tell them, you know, I direct them to Toxic Avenger and Full Moon movies, things like that. I helped out uh, order a lot of those. I enjoyed niche films that other people that enjoyed niche films would eventually go to. They, wanted to, they still wanted to distance themselves from the more popular versions of films that blockbuster had honestly they were just in love with it as 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 i in fact i'm still this is a good 25 years later i'm still very very close friends with a lot of the people i still worked with at media play <laughs> i also was fortunate to have a, a boss there boss supervisor whatever the, the correct term is now uh, her name was darlene i wish i could remember her last name I only ever called her darlene she was from pittsburgh uh, she was smart, she was tough, and she wouldn't take crap off anybody. And she ran that like a Swiss watch. And it was great. And again, it's something I appreciate later on with seeing that early type of, of leadership, project management, execution, sticking to the process. Uh, I, I learned a lot there that I didn't realize I was learning because it's stuff that you don't always pick up in other types of jobs and other types of environments. It's very applicable and other parts of, of your career later on down the road. So in that regard, I'm glad I worked there and had Darlene to, to teach me, even though, uh, man, sometimes she scared the snot out of me. But uh, <laughs> she was great. She was great. There, were, there was a uh, there was a shorter kind of Elijah Wood looking kid named Billy that was pretty hyper. He was pretty cool. It was kind of like the Empire Records thing. You had there was one one girl. Uh, she was more like 
straight-laced and not really a party type, but she was fun to work with and stuff, but she also wasn't judgmental or derogatory. You had me that, I mean, I hadn't discovered like the Denny Perry cult movie books or anything. I just, I just loved movies and was kind of like the movie guy in terms of if there needed to be recommendations, things like that. Uh, and then we had, um, outside of the three I mentioned, the, the fourth spot would change here and there. That would be where somebody would leave and someone new would come in. And that was sort of where, as much as I loved working there, uh, one of the people they hired um, was a high school girl that came in that was sort of kind of preppy and didn't probably need to be working there, but her parents were trying to teach her responsibility. And she came in one night after the store was closed and stole all the money out of the register. And for whatever reason, Dominique and Judy couldn't they thought whoever worked that day took it. I worked day shift, another girl worked night shift. The girl that stole didn't work that day, but she came in that night. And she did cop to this later. It's not like baseless accusation stuff. Now she did eventually admit it, but I unfortunately, that's how I lost the job, was being blamed for stealing when I didn't. So me and the other girl that worked that day, both were terminated. The other two kept their jobs just by the, the basis of not being on the shift that day. And I couldn't, for whatever reason, articulate to Judy and Dominique, hey, the four of us as employees all have the same code that somebody could have come in at night and did this and they just thought, you know. So everybody worked there was cool but her. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, yeah. she literally ruined what was my dream job where I actually could sigh. And I was like, man, I'm very happy with my life. And then it was like, nope. Here's a preview of what's coming up on the next episode of Rental Return. What would you say then were, you mentioned the discounts, things like that. What were some of the perks of being an employee? What was the, the joy, aside from being around movies, like of, of going into work every day? Really, it was getting first dibs on all the posters. Being able to look through the movie catalog and order movies that weren't available, that were, you know, like 30, 40 bucks. Like, I'd take it out of my paycheck and buy it. Like, it was, it was on the up and up, but... It was an opportunity to buy movies that you couldn't just go buy. Being able to get stuff uh, right away. <laughs> I know this is probably not what people want to hear, especially these day and days, but if, if something came in on the truck, uh, you would put it aside for yourself. <laughs> there was no limit. You could, you wanted um, like Freddy Krueger, Sandy, here's eight of them. Um, at, at one point, but those things cost money, and the as time like the video business kind of got a little bit like less uh, popular, the studios started becoming more strict and didn't give stuff out anymore. So there really was a heyday to that kind of stuff. Connect with our video heroes on Twitter by clicking on the links provided in the show notes. Rental Return is created by Adam Pope and produced by Jason Gross in association with the Retro Network. If you're a former rental store employee and want to chronicle your experiences on an upcoming season, message Adam on Twitter at Hoju Coolander or send an email to Jason at theretronetwork.com. Avoid late fees by subscribing to Rental Return in your favorite podcast app and by following at TRN Social on Instagram and Twitter featuring pictures provided by our video heroes. Join us again next time for another episode of Rental Return. Tales from the Video Store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.